Apple presents events at the Apple Store. Let's take a look at Tony Hale in Veep. Love is patient, love is kind, it is not jealous, it is not pompous, <clears throat> it is not inflated, it is not rude, it does not seek its own interests, it's, uh, it's not quick-tempered, it's not brute over injury, it does not rejoice over wrongdoing, love bears all things, believes all things, sends, loves, uh, it ends, love never ends. <clears throat> Please welcome this evening's guest moderator, Tim Washer, and tonight's guest, Tony Hale. All right, thank Hello. you. Hi, all. Thank you for... Oh, I already have water. Thank you for coming out on this rainy Friday night. I know there's much fancier New York dance clubs out there that are, you'd rather be at on a Friday night. Mm, 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 mm. But thank you, you. Would you dance? You want to dance some more for us? We're <laughs> going to take requests. We'll do two questions, and Tony's going to dance. So just let us know your favorite show <laughs> tunes. Write those down and pass what them up front. What if this entire night I just danced? Wouldn't that be amazing? I think, is it, are we going to see a lot of you dancing in season three? No, I wish. Uh, actually, in that first episode, because that was a wedding I was at in that first episode, and Gary does a little dancing. Yeah. But that was, I'm kind of, obviously I'm at a wedding, and Selena is calling me, and you can just see his codependency that he can't even... He can't even give scripture without breaking away to her. So, codependency, that seems to be a recurring theme in a lot of your characters, would you say? Or certainly yes. awkwardness. Yes. And, and we've never, I don't think we've seen any characters like the ones you play on TV, or literature. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, Buster, uh, yeah, I mean, it's Buster and Gary, and Gary just... He pretty much, um, for those of you who haven't watched Veep, uh, Julie Louis-Dreyfus plays the vice president, and I kind of play her what's called a body man, which means I carry around a very large bag of everything that she needs, and I pretty much worship the ground she walks on. Um, and in my eyes, I would just rather be married to her, and she, could, she probably doesn't even know my last name. Um, so it's a, it's, a, it can, it's a very codependent relationship, and that's, <laughs> that tends to be a theme in a lot of my work. So how, how do you get into character? And I guess more importantly, how do you get out of character when it's time to leave? How do I... <laughs> oh, when I was... Um, how do I get into character? Um, well, let me think. Kind of like how do I form characters and stuff like that? Yeah, or, yeah. the process. And the if process? You, you, get, you get one pass tonight on a question. So <laughs> choose wisely. Thank you. Crap! Um, how do... Okay, characters that I've done. Um, I will say... Two huge comic inspirations for me were, um, we're just diving in right now, aren't we? Yeah, let's get into it. Um, uh, two huge comic inspirations for me are uh, Tim Conway and um, Bob Newhart. And for those of you guys who are in my age, you'll, you'll, you'll know them. But one thing that I always loved about those two guys is they were given these crazy circumstances, like Tim Conway on The Carol Burnett Show, and... I felt like they never pushed the comedy. They just kind of trusted the circumstances that they were in. So if, like for instance, um, in Veep and just kind of the chaos of that environment, but Tim Conway had all these nutty characters, but they knew their circumstances were wild, and therefore if they just sat in that tension and just kind of lived there honestly, it was hilarious. So they never felt the need to push. So I looked at these characters that I've done, 
and the other character um, uh, on Arrested, uh, I played Buster on Arrested, and, and you know, my hand's bitten off by a seal, and I'm dating Liza Minnelli, um, and on this show, it's like, I've, I've been with Selena Meyer for 15 years. I'm in a job, actually, as Gary. I started in my 20s, and typically people in this body man job, they're in it for two years, and they serve, they serve their politician, do everything, and then they move on to other stuff. I have continued on into my 40s um, just because I don't know any other identity outside of Selena Meyer. And it's like they're crazy circumstances. And if you just kind of live in that awkward tension and just you don't have to do anything. The writers just give you these crazy circumstances. And that to me is kind of fun and just funny. All right. Well, speaking of staying where you are, you, there's an opportunity in season three where a promotion may come up for you. Can we run that? There's a clip. Can we run the clip where uh, oh, yeah. there's a. Oh, is this the one at the when I'm at the on my bed? The POTUS, the POTUS yeah, yeah, yeah. body man clip. Yeah, at the bed. Wendy got the heads up. POTUS says body man is quitting. Marty? Would he get sick or something? Mm-mm. Law school. You're going to go for it? I don't want to be a guy in his 40s carrying a bag. I got ideas. I could advise Selena on stuff. I got plenty of things I could tell her. Hey, gotta go. Telly Savalas is gonna kill some Nazis. When did you get your dad's face? So sad. Um, the thing is that, like, he, he, this next season, he, well, first of all, she's on the campaign trail. So she's on the campaign trail to become, she wants to become president. And the fact that she's on the campaign trail and people are actually giving her money for her campaign, it's astonishing, because they're idiots. So we meet a lot of idiots this next season. But um, he kind of wants to branch out and do other stuff, and it's not necessarily that he wants to do it, but he wants to impress her, because that's all he lives for, is to impress her. So he tries to exercise some different muscles, some different roles, and obviously he fails miserably, and it's a disaster, because he really only knows how to give her just lipstick. But he tries. And it's a disaster. We're not going to see another Leviathan replacement in season no. three. Oh, my gosh. So in season two, he carries around this bag, and he calls it his Leviathan. If anybody else calls it a bag, he gets pissed off. But he, she gave him a different bag as a gift, and he flipped out because his bag is really the only control he has in his life. And he has probably sewn like 60 different pockets in the bag with all, they're probably texture coded and color coded. And it's just his, it's like Linus's blanket, it's his security blanket. Um, and then when she gave him a new bag, he just flipped out because his foundations were crumbling beneath him. It was a sad day. All right, so let, let's back up to the moment uh, in your life when you, when you first realized, hey, I want to work in comedy. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, just kind of growing up, you mean? Uh, yeah, specifically yeah. when you were two. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so I, um, when I was in seventh grade, we moved to uh, Tallahassee. My parents moved us to Tallahassee, Florida. And I was, I was living in the South, and um, I was not a kid who was really into sports. I... Um, because football is pretty much a religion down south, and I wasn't into sports. And so my parents thankfully signed me up for this acting program called the Young Actors Theater in Tallahassee, Florida. And I can honestly say that, that made, it made such a massive difference in my life. Um, it was a place where I kind of began to discover what I like to do, who I was. And that has just made, I'm so thankful for that theater group. And then after that, 
I went to, I studied journalism in college because I didn't think I could make a living off acting. And then after college is when I decided to move to New York. And because I really thought, you know, I really do love this acting thing. I love making people laugh. Um, and I moved to New York in 1995 and was here for about eight or nine years, um, just kind of trying it out and uh, doing commercials and off-broad. My first show in New York was I did Taming of the Shrew in, at Shakespeare in the parking lot. Where we, we performed um, Shakespeare in a parking lot in the East Village. And it was my first taste of New Yorkers because they would, you would see, like we would be performing Shakespeare and getting all into it. And these New Yorkers would sit down, kind of interested, and you'd see their face go from this to, ah, and then they just walk off. And I was like, oh God, just keep going, keep going, keep going. But it was, you know, that was my first theater experience. And then I started doing commercials and all this other stuff. And it was, um, and, then, and then we moved out to LA in 2003. Because I got the audition for Arrested Development in 2003. Um, and my wife and I were engaged. And 10 days before we got married, the show got picked up and we moved out to Los Angeles. That's 10 days before you got married? Yeah. But you went ahead, you got married. Yes, did we did. Distressing, we tear that up. Yes, yes, yes. You don't feel that way anymore after you have an Emmy, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm completely fixed. Um, that was a crazy night. Uh, it was, um, I remember when my, when my wife and I got the call that I was on the list, uh, the nomination list, and we just flipped out. We flipped out, jumping up and down in our bedroom. And that, what, to us, that was enough. Like, it was, we were, just even to be on a list with all those guys. And so we kind of went into the Emmys, like, you know what, let's check our expectations. You know, let's just have a good time. And then when I heard my name called, it was, I'm surprised I could even put a sentence together. Because it was so overwhelming. I got, I remember I got home at 1 o'clock in the morning, and I didn't fall asleep until 5.30. And I was just like this. <laughs> in my bed. It was just, it was so overwhelming. It was a great night. Was that because you were sleeping on the Emmy? <laughs> yes, exactly. You still sleep with it? I was cuddling with the Emmy. And your wife has one, too. Yes, my wife, back there, has a, um, she has an Emmy for her, she does, did makeup in New York. She's a makeup artist and a very talented lady. She worked on Saturday Night Live, and then she was, at the time, she, was, she did an episode of All My Children, and it was a Halloween episode, and she was doing special effects makeup, and that's what she got her Emmy for. Do you have yours with you? She Martel? does. It's, it's, it's in her too? purse. Okay. Hey, can we go to the next clip? Can we show the one, the bathroom one? That's my favorite. Hey, ma'am, about the campaign, I, I had an idea. Here you go. Instead of doing all this pre-campaigning, sometime in the next 24 hours, you grab a mic, you say, I'm Selena Meyer, and I'm running for president of the United States. I'm just going to use the bathroom really quickly. It's way too early. You don't announce your candidacy while the incumbent is still warm. The basic thing, wow. That's like trying to bang the widow at the funeral. There's a little trick to it. Yeah, yeah. The trick would be to move it. The trick would be right. to move it. And I will. I sure will. You would have her start her campaign with no strategy, no money, no staff, except for Superman and Wonder Woman over there. Just, you know, I want to be president. Ma'am, I don't know if you just heard what he was no, saying. No, I didn't hear was... what he was saying, but yeah. I agree with Dan, okay? And I completely appreciate your ideas, Gary. No matter how dumb they are. I will say, in Gary's world, the fact that she's running for president is like, yeah. I mean, obviously, she should, she should be doing that the entire time. Because in his eyes, she is just, she's pretty much the Messiah. So what, look, in this back to the business end of things, tell us uh, about the rejection. Is it, would you say it's a rejection free? <laughs> Let's go from Emmy to yeah. rejection. Um, I do, one thing is I do, 
I lo one of the things I love to talk, I love talking to students, like going to colleges and talking to them, because I think students a lot of times don't get a picture of kind of what it's like in the business. They hear about the craft of acting, but they don't kind of hear about the reality. And you really are signing up for a life of, you're signing up for a lot of rejection. And because in, in, our, in our world, um, typically in life, people will go on interviews for two or three months and then they'll have a job for like two or three years. In the acting world, you're on a job interview for two or three years and you're lucky if you get a gig for two or three months. So it's, you're really signing up for just a constant job interview and it's a massive, it's a weird, now you get kind of, I get kind of used to it just because you know that it's not really about your acting but it's just they're not looking, you're not the right type or whatever. Um, but I, I hugely I encourage people to just get a strong support system in this business because you need, you just need, like when I was in New York for those eight or nine years, just having people say, hey, keep going, just keep walking, you know, and just having that support around you is very, very, very important, very important. Now, when your uh, daughter comes to you and says, dad, I want to get in the acting business, yeah. what, what would you, what Do would you tell start her? start crying. Yes. Um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not one of those parents that are just like, no, 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 don't do that, don't do that. I mean, it makes me nervous because I adore her and I, I don't want her to experience that much rejection. But like, if it's something that she really wants to do and loves to do, and, we hope, and I hope that we will have raised her with a lot of different choices, you know, that she can just choose whatever she wants. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, she's, if, if I feel like, I don't know, if she wants, really wants to do it, then I have to encourage it. <laughs> it just makes me nervous even thinking about it. I'm like, oh, sweet Jesus. You want to go to questions? Oh, sure. Is that time? Is the timing right? Okay, great. Yeah. Hi. Hi. Um, I'm a big fan of Veep. And oh, sure. I'd like to know what your favorite Jonah insult is. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> there are so many. That's the, what's great about the Jonah insults is all of the writers on the show are all British. And it's their perspective on American politics. And these Brits, man, they have got a wealth of insults. Like, they just come up with these fantastic insults. Um, what is one? I, I loved, um, oh, man. Uh, let me, there's one called, there's one coming up about you are, he calls him scaffolding, horrible scaffolding. Um, oh, I, can't, I don't know if I can say this on camera because they're pretty crude. Um, there's one that's uh, jolly green. Uh, you know, yeah, that one. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was a pretty good one. Um, oh man, there's plenty, and it's also what he says. Like he just has the best lines, um, and he's told. Well, the great thing about Tim, who plays Jonah, he is completely opposite from Jonah. Like he is the nicest, sweetest man, and the lines that he has to say are so horrid, and awful, but he's great. Hi. Of Hi. all your co-stars on Veep, who has the best sense of humor off-screen? Who? Ha oh, good one. Uh, who has the best sense of humor off-screen? Um, you know, Matt Walsh, who plays Mike, he created, he was one of the founders of Upright Citizens Brigade. And just his improv alone, what he comes up with, I think is so brilliant. And he just, I don't know, he amazes me. Um, I will say, they all are so funny and I'm the person that make that breaks the most. So I can't keep it together on set. It's incredibly unprofessional. I should go back to acting school. Um, if you ever see me kind of digging into my bag or turning my back, it's because I'm laughing and I'm ruining the shot. 
And it actually, and Julia has said that she wants to start a drinking game for the amount of times that you think that I'm going to start laughing on screen. <laughs> That's sad. How are you? My name is hey. Byron Thomas. Hey, Byron. How are you? Good. Um, my question is, uh, well, it pertains to the insoles. What are the, what are the chances? <laughs> theme. So what are the chances that Malcolm Tucker will ever make an appearance on? The oh theme? my gosh! Wouldn't that be great? Malcolm Tucker is was in a show um, that he did called The Thick of It and that Armando Yanucci created. And he was a character that was a master of insults, but I would talk to the writers about that character that they did, and it comes off so much ad lib, like it seems like it's just coming off the top of his head, but it's those writers, man. It's just like the insults that they would give for him to say, it's just, it's like they're just a wealth of insult knowledge. Um, gosh, the stuff that rolled off his tongue was just horrible, horrible. I'm wanting one of these days for House of Cards and Veep to do some kind of crossover. <laughs> That's my dream. That's my, we should get Malcolm Tucker in, and then we should get Frank Underwood, is that his name? Frank Underwood, and then Selena, and just have a match. Do you improvise? Is there much uh, improv that you, yeah, you know, ends up staying in? It's a very, the process is something like I've never experienced in television, where they rehearse for two or three weeks before we shoot. And I've never had that in my TV career. And it's, we take about five scripts and we workshop them for two weeks. And it's mainly just to kind of find the chemistry, to kind of see if bits work, to see if it's fluid. Um, and that alone is such a gift for an actor. And it's just like this playground that we're able to play in for two or three weeks before we start shooting, just to see if it works. Um, so that's, and that's when we can improv and kind of come up with um, fun material. So it looks like you have a good chemistry with the cast, does. Yeah, and it's, we do, and we all get along. That's because, I mean, the other show was on Arrested Development. It's, it was the same thing. Like, we kind of, it was an environment that it was just kind of one big playground. And the great thing when, when you're dealing with comedy and kind of creati creativity, these kind of, you know, in Hollywood, I'm sure you've heard there's some egos and, you know, entitlement issues or whatever, but that just sucks creative energy out of a room. And on Veep, I'm so thankful that there's none of that. And everybody is just, a, it's a real team player mindset. And it starts with the top. And Julia and Armando are just incredibly gracious. And all they want to do is just make the best show possible. And they just are so open to whatever ideas you have. So that's really fantastic. Hi. Hi, um, what's your name? Karishma. Hi. I'm a really big Veep fan, and um, I thought what you did when Julia won her Emmy was so cool. Oh, yeah. Um, I wanted to know how you decided to do that and when you decided to. Um, we, so, um, what was your name again, sorry? Krishna. Krishna? Krishma. Um, it's, uh, uh, what she's talking about is uh, on uh, at the Emmys, Julia called me the morning of the Emmys and said, hey, if I win, I want you to carry my purse. And of course, there's that moment of where you're like, oh, God, if, you know, because of course, it's Julie Louis-Dreyfus, so you say yes, because she's fantastic and, and brilliant. And, but in the back of your head, you're like, this could bomb disastrously. Um, but it was, then they called her name and she won, and just kinda, we kind of went for it. And it was so fun. And it was, the thing is, what was fun about it was she that morning called me and said, hey, so you can kind of whisper things in my ears ear and it was I was I was able to whisper in her ear like thank your parents you know <laughs> tell them you love them very much 
Um, and so it really, it was, and I, I hope it worked, but it, there's one of the, like you're doing live, a live bit on national television. You're like, oh my God, this could be, this could bomb. But it hopefully it worked. It worked. Thank you. You came in here kind of dancing, and it's a shame that you don't have a chicken dance on a resident yes. Can yes. I? Do you um, have one that you would do? This is the reason Buster <laughs> does not have a chicken dance, is because he has too much respect for chickens. He's not going to play that game. He's not, he feels for them. They're his people. He's not going to do it. Not going to do it. Hey, Tony, thanks for coming. I'm Mauricio. Oh. Mauricio? Mauricio, yeah. Um, so we saw Kathy and Jimmy in the first clip. Was wondering if any yeah. other fun, awesome guest stars were coming this season. Yeah, Kathy came on, and she plays Mike's uh, girlfriend and new wife. Um, who else did we have? Ah, this is touching on my memory issues, which are horrible. We actually just bring a lot of people back from previous seasons. Um, Dan Backadall, who is on that show Legit, Actually, a lot of people uh, Armando brings back from his movie In the Loop um, and some people from the thick of it. Um, but I think, I'm trying to think who else came on. I know I'm going to leave tonight and realize that there was a, there's, oh, Zach Woods is back, who's on that new show Silicon Valley. But a lot of, a lot of great people. Hi, uh, hey, I'm Jarrell. I'm a hi, really Jarell. big fan of Veep. Um, if you could be on any other HBO show, which one would you envision yourself on? Ah, <laughs> good one. Um, I'm in the middle of... <laughs> this is such a contrast. But I'm in the middle of watching True Detective. Good God, that's terrifying. A, um, I don't want to be on that show. Um, <laughs> no, I'd be on it. It, was just, it would scare the crap out of me. I'm trying to think, an HBO show... All the, I will say all the guys that are on Silicon Valley... I love, like Kumal and Zach, um, TJ Miller, all those guys, I'd love to work with them again, so it would be fun to, to play with them again. I've heard it's, I've really heard it's fantastic, too. Hi there, my name is Yvonne. Hey, how's it going? That's fantastic, thank you very much. Good. Uh, thanks for coming out. Oh, thank um, you. My question is about uh, the difference between writing for a series that's on Netflix and a series that's on something like HBO, and how you think it affects it, having fans being able to watch all the episodes in one go versus sure. having to wait uh, week to week and how that kind of affects yeah, the yeah, process. Good, good question. Um, when Mitch was uh, deciding to do Arrested Development on Netflix, it was um, a real risk that he took, but I think it was such a perfect format because the way that the shows were laid out is it was this kind of big matrix that you kind of had to watch you had to watch one for the other to make sense and then you had to go back and it was like it was done, for those of you who haven't seen it, it was as though um, Tim and I were having a conversation in one scene, and then in his episode, w we would separate, and in his episode, you'd see where he went, and in my episode, you'd see where I went. And it was just all this really big puzzle. And so Netflix was a perfect format for that, because you were able to hop around and kind of see where the puzzle was fitting in. Um, I personally am not a binge watcher. Like, for instance, for me to binge watch True Detective, I might as well just take a depressant because that's just terrifying and, and scares the crap out of me. So I need time between to, like, process and absorb and then get ready for the next one. And House of Cards, my gosh, that show's intense. Um, so I'm not a binge watcher. I like to have time in between. But I think for those that are, they just love to consume, consume. So, I mean, I, I think it's a great... I mean, what Netflix is doing and... Even HBO, with HBO Go, they've got all the episodes there to watch. It's, it's perfect for some people. But I, like, I still like time in between to kind of take a break. That, oh, that house of cards, man. Good night. Frank Underwood scares the crap out of me. 
And Robin Wright Penn, I mean, just this, just this icy, terrifying presence. I swear if I ever meet her, I'm just going to start crying. I think you're getting into character here a little bit. I know, exactly. I like that. I would, I'm dying, though, on House of Cards just to have Gary run with his bag across the hall. <laughs> just like, woo, woo, woo. And then Frank Underwood just takes his hand out and just goes, pop. All right. Uh, any other favorite. fantasies you want to share with us? Because that's, that's a good one. That's a good one. It's like Gary comes from one side and Buster comes from the other. And then Frank Underwood just pops them both. Hey, thank you all thank for you coming out. For coming. This will be up uh, shortly. It'll be up shortly on iTunes. Uh, Veep Season 2 is up on iTunes now. Season 3 starts on HBO Sunday night at 10.30, so be sure to watch that and tweet and tell your friends. And also let them know about the Apple Store and this, these fun events. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody, for coming. We really thank appreciate that. Thank you all. Thanks for having me. <laughs>